call this conversations with pastors. So if you've got, somebody got the microphone, who got it? That's good. That means somebody's ready. I had a microphone on the front. Mira's got it. Where is Mira? There she's back. There she's not listening. I got it. <laughs> she's talking again. So uh, if you've got questions, I'm, I may get to your questions first after I share a couple of things. I've got a couple of things to share, and then I've got questions that people ask. So we say, call it conversations with pastors. So if you've, if you've wanted to ask a pastor or something, it's your time, and we'll give you the mic and let you ask questions. Is that good? A couple of things, however, that I do need to mention. I had a, I would, had no plans to share this, but I really feel unctioned by the Lord inside. In fact, I'm going to miss God if I don't say this. And, and I told, I had a dream Saturday, Sunday night. I told Susan, then I told Mira, my executive pastor, was that yesterday? And uh, I told one person before service, I, I just got the illumination of what's going on with that. Because dreams are often symbolic, and you just got to forget, what are you saying? So in my dream, and let me just tell you, I, I, I don't want to give you the nuts and bolts of the dream, except to say somebody came up to me in my dream, and it was a church member, and then there were some things, and anyway, the the eventuality of what I dreamed, what I heard was, I saw some things that were symbolic in the dream, and, uh, and I heard the words witchcraft. And that's it. Uh, two things happened in the dream, and I heard the word witchcraft. And I said, God, I, I don't understand why I had that dream. I don't know. Uh, the church member was only symbolic. It wasn't the person themselves that was symbolic. So here's what I, I completely get it. I, I just, I get it. Um, um, just be aware that demon spirits are, have been loosed on this planet to confuse people. Do you, I mean, people are absolutely nuts confused right now. Uh, and, so, and so demon spirits, when they manifest with witchcraft, they seek to do three things. Number one, they manipulate. They want to get you to do what you know or, or otherwise wouldn't do, but you feel coerced or forced, or the truth is twisted where you feel like you got to do this. That's a lie. That's subterfuge, which means operating underneath the surface. Friends, don't let anybody control you that way. Yes or no? Uh, so I need to add this addendum to it. Government or anything else. Now, it got quiet then, didn't it? Uh, I'm here to tell you the spirit of Antichrist is rising, and I feel it. Uh, so manipulation, second, control. Any, anything that m tries to control you and force you. See, manipulation is they're using your own thoughts against you, your own good wishes and will against you. But control's a little bit different. It's a bit more forceful. And, and the onus is on you to, uh, to comply. That's, that's, that's witchcraft. Yeah. Now, some of this comes in the form of thoughts without anybody really saying anything to you. It comes to you, or it can come in the form of somebody talking to you. So just be aware of all that. You hear everything I just said? Third thing is this, uh, witchcraft seeks to divide. Uh, divide families, divide marriages, divide parents, children, divide churches, divide nations. It's here. It, it's in the world right now. How many hear me? I feel such a strong unction. And, and so you don't have to be afraid of that word or the devil. You know, uh, if you've watched the spooky movies that have been out for years and the little girl's head's twirling around and the priest is being thrown up against the wall, that's a facade and a lie. 
because you have authority over the devil. Anytime I've ever been around demon spirits, they hit the ground. I've been in Africa any number of times. I've been in India. I mean, they're full of devils. And now the devils are coming here because we're laying a Christian belief system down. And when you lay the light down, darkness ensues. You cut the light off, darkness comes. You know, if, uh, if, if, you, if you don't keep things out, bugs will come in. And they're coming into America. And they're seeking to infiltrate our children, our schools, our businesses, our homes, our places, uh, 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 places we frequent. And you've got to keep that run out. That means, that means the antidote to that is keep your light turned on. Talk about Jesus. Talk about the things of God. Be bold. I almost want to say be brash about it, but don't do that. Be loving. But um, I do mean to I mean, be, be, be lovingly forward with who you are and what you believe. It's that way today, y'all. And if you're going to be a little man, be pan, be well, I don't want to upset anybody, you're going to fail. You can't, you can't have that attitude anymore. And the church has had that attitude for a long time. Things are changing, y'all. Things are heating up. Can you feel it? So we're in the fray, whether you like it or not. Maybe someone won't be in a fight. Well, you don't have any choice now. You're on planet Earth. There's a fight. There's a challenge. There's a struggle. So get used to it. And, uh, you know, again, don't be antagonistic. Be loving, but be firm in what you believe. And don't let anybody try to, try to set what you believe aside. Be bold about it. Uh, Disney's having problems right now. Because they just got a few people who wanted a certain thing. And I mean, all hell's breaking loose there, isn't it? And they're having problems. Their stock's dropping and they got all kinds of, I saw the lines of people picketing saying they don't want this and that. They just did the wrong thing, y'all. And uh, finally, people are finally slowly uh, taking, their, taking their head up out their iPhone or their Android. And they're looking around. And, and they're picking their heads up from the movies they've been watching and the stuff they've been doing. And they're saying, what's going on with the world? And people are slowly beginning to wake up. So how many know we need to live awake? So, so again, don't be afraid of the devil. You have authority over them. him when Jesus, that's what Easter's all about. When Jesus died and was raised from the dead, he gave you the authority Adam had, uh, and Jesus gained it back for the church. You have authority over the devil. Every devil is submissive to you. Every day. Now, they'll try to challenge you, but you say, uh-uh, uh-uh. Not here, not ever. I bind you in Jesus' name. Because whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, right, is loosed in heaven, right? So, uh, you know, they, they can make you feel and think things, but if you just refuse to yield to it, you're fine. You're good. Just walk with God, worship God, say what God says, speak the word, and you're good. Is that, is that good? That was my first thing I want to say. Second thing I want to mention is, um, so, uh, again, don't let anybody come up to you and, uh, and, 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 and use the words like, what do you think about? Maybe it's their word, what do you think about what the boss said? Uh, or at church, what do you think about what the teacher did at children's ministry? What do you think? Well, it don't matter what you think. If, if, you, if they got a squabble about something, come to the people that are over it. Otherwise, it's control, manipulation, and division. How many hear me? So see, that's going on in, in it, the marketplace. It's going on in businesses. How many hear me? Now, all this little kind of, and it's working in our, it's terrible. I feel it. Do you feel it? But I'm not going to let it happen here. Is that, is that okay? I'll look at you and say, dude, what you doing? What you doing? You need to cut that out. The devil's using your mouth. He's using your body, right? So anyway, Everybody good? Yeah, just, that's called an admonition, by the way. Uh, let, me, let me answer this. Um, I became aware that sometimes some people wonder why 
um, I repeat some things. For instance, let's talk about, can we talk about Sunday was Easter? I had a purpose on Easter Sunday, and my purpose was to minister to the people that don't normally come to church. Yes or no? Now, the people that really need to hear this aren't here tonight. I don't know what to say about that, but but you're here, and, and this will help you to help me. So if I can get you in league with me, we're going to do good. So, you know, one time a year, or really twice, two times a year, non-church people come to church. That's Easter and Christmas, and they'll come. I mean, they might not want to come again, but they come. And, and so my heart is snag those people, snag them for Jesus, grab them, uh, hook their heart. So uh, I preach a really strong word. You think Sunday was strong? Pretty strong. I mean, if you can't figure out what I said Sunday, uh, you don't have a figure-outer. Your mind's not working properly because I, I, you know, I try to say it just as plain as possible. So understand on Sundays, uh, you, 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 it's trying to get you the insight on how I, I have to live. I have to, I have to I write my messages and uh, think about what I'm saying, but I think about the least informed person uh, in a crowd, and that's how you minister. You don't minister to the most educated or the most spiritual you minister to the person that doesn't know anything and you put it on the plate in a way that they can chew it up and understand it and grasp it so I have to find a way to make it ultimately practical ultimately practical and so that's what I do on Sundays and to do that I have to repeat some things so there's some things I stories I share like I shared a story about me you know dying's almost near death six times and, you know, car wreck and that kind of thing. I've shared those things here before. So why are you doing that again? Well, can I be real with you? The things that really have grasped my life, do you know there's some things that I've, um, I've read? There's some chapters in some books, you know, in 46 years. There's some chapters in some books I've read hundreds of times. Now, over a period of 46 years, there's some scriptures I've read thousands of times. I've quoted them thousands of times. Do you know what that does if you go over something over and over and over? What happens to you? Oh, you change. Well, it gets inside you, right? And, and so um, uh, word in Proverbs for wisdom, the Hebrew means to pound in and it bespeaks repetition. So some things I'll repeat over and over. If you hear me repeating something else, you just need to know, pastor's doing that for a reason. Well, one reason is, there's some people that have never heard it. You're not the only one in the room. <laughs> so, you know, there are people here that haven't heard it before. So some things I know others have heard it before, and I used to feel funny about doing that. I don't now, because I need to repeat things. Because uh, I heard somebody say many years ago, uh, people usually generally don't hear what you said until you say it minimum 25 times and then they just sometimes heard it for the first time and you said it 25 times and you're tired of saying it. How many get it? So understand on Sundays I do some of that. Uh, my biggest challenge on Sundays is to present uh, ministry that ministers to uh, the saints and the ain'ts. That is the believers who are seasoned in varying levels and, uh, and challenges them to obedience. And, uh, and, and then also, secondly, to minister to people who, who really need to, need to come clean with themselves and come to the Lord and, and lay their will at Jesus' feet. So that's too, and it's a hard thing to do. It's not easy, and I have to think through on it. So y'all pray for me, and us pray together. And, let's, and, and what I really want to say, I want to brag on you and, 
Anybody that brought somebody to church Sunday, we had a lot of new people. And in talking to people now, what I do is I, you know, I'm, you know, I know some people that don't know me think that pastor just preached. He just walked out. He's going to his office. He's going to sit in this. No, I don't. I go down that hallway right there. I go through my office. I get me a swig of water, and then I get my butt right out there in the foyer, and I say hi to people. And I, that's, otherwise, I'll never meet them. But in meeting people Sunday, I found out that people uh, are bringing their relatives, family members. They're bringing their neighbors, and they're bringing people that come to come that work with them. That's really cool. Don't you think that's cool? So, so that's saying a lot right there, and there's quite a few that were that way. And uh, a lot of people see us on our website. Uh, they're generally new to the area. They're looking for a church, et cetera, et cetera. And some people just drive by, and I pray that way every week. So if you'll pray that new people will come and, and, and that the Lord will grab their hearts while they're here, that would be really good. So I, I appreciate you, and uh, I'm counting on you guys. You don't pray? Yeah. So come and pray on Saturdays, 9 o'clock. We have a prayer meeting every Saturday for an hour. Come and pray with us. That's the second thing I wanted to say. Uh, so I think I'm... Um, yeah, I'm not even going to read that scripture. I'm good. So, anybody got a question? Before, I've got several here, but I'll, I'll start with yours. Anybody just lift your hand, and somebody with a microphone will come your way. Anybody? Just lift your hand and say, it's me, it's me. There's no wrong or no bad questions. They're just questions. You got a question? I've got one that came in on text. Okay. Um, what do you do when you see someone in a leadership role? This is in church leadership, and they are drinking and carrying on. Do you go to that person or do you let other leadership deal with it? Well, that's kind of a vague question. So where did you see them do that? How did you know they were doing that? Is it because somebody told you or you were at some place and you saw them? Those are the things I can't answer. So generally speaking, I'm responsible for me and you're responsible for you. And for me, for me to be able to talk to you, I have to have permission to get into your life. So if I have no relationship with you, I don't know you from Adam's house cat, but I saw you do an X, Y, Z. You know, I only have permission to talk to you if you let me have permission. And uh, so if you got somebody that's a leader, like a pastor, doing things that, that many of us think will hinder their life, I personally, uh, so that's a big can of worms to even mention that. Uh, there are those in the body of Christ who think that drinking alcoholic beverages is just absolutely fine. And I know a lot of people that do that. I know pastors that do that. I know, I know men and women of God that do that. Um, I choose not to drink. I choose not to. And you say, you're a, you're a teetotaler? Uh-huh. I just don't drink. I don't need to drink. I don't need to take the edge off of me. Jesus takes the edge off of me. And I go to God the Father, and I say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Lord, I need you. And I read the Word. I pray. I pray in the Spirit. And, uh, you know... Um, you know, if I need to get my mind off of something, I just play solitaire. I mean, that's just what I do. I, I, but I don't need to drink. And, and the reason for me is I've seen too many lives ruined. Uh, buried, I've buried people with cirrhosis of the liver. I've buried people who were in accidents because of a drunk driver that killed people in an accident. Um, I've, I've ministered to people who were ex-alcoholics who got radically transformed by Jesus, but then found permission to drink again through other seasoned, mature believers who were in ministry who were drinking at a restaurant. And they've sat in front of me with tears in their eyes saying I was free. Uh, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus brought me in, and I am back in sin again. I said, what happened? I said, well, and they've been to Bible school I'm talking about, but they got permission 
by, because other believers are free and leaders are free to drink. And they got to drinking again and, uh, and bound by alcohol. And I've had them tell me, I mean, a, quite a number. It started in the 80s, y'all. And I was in my 20s when it had shot me. And I've heard them say, I get up in the morning and I got to get me a nip. They got a nip bottle to take carry in the pocket. And I, got to, I drink all through the day. I'm bound again. And you know why they got bound? Because they got freedom to drink by, by people who are believers who think they are free in Christ to do anything they want to do, including drinking. And um, yeah, so you can do that if you want to. I'm not going to because you'll stand before Jesus one day. If one person saw you do that who had a problem with alcohol, some personalities are that way. Uh, me, I would never drink. My personality is so on. Whatever I do, I do hard. When I sin, I sin hard. If I'm going to live right, I'm going to live right hard. I'm going to be strong. So, you know, I just can't, I can't compromise. That's just me. I know me. I know me. And you better know you. That's right. Well, somebody said, well, I can hold my liquor. Well, you know, you need to hold it to yourself and not tell everybody else about it. Because you're going to bind somebody else's soul to hell. That's what you're going to do. And uh, my grandfather, I've said all this before, my grandfather on my mother's side, I, I saw, first time I saw him, he had a big Roman nose and had big bushy eyebrows, but he was in his casket. He died at age, I think, 67, my mother's father. Hi, Mom. Love you, Mom. But he ruined their family. It's a whole horrible story. Uh, he, he was an alcoholic, and he, he drank himself into paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah. And totally irresponsible. It cost my grandmother her health, and it cost my mother and her siblings so much. If you have something like that touch your family, I just never, I just never wanted it. I never, I never wanted it. Does that make sense? So maybe you like it. Maybe what I'm saying is, there, well, you can do what you want. Well, you're right. But if you're gonna work for me, you won't be drinking. If you get right there and the camera sees you, I don't want you drinking. If you do, I'll say you don't need to be up there anymore. Yeah. No, not everybody does that. And if they don't do that, I, that's not my issue. This is what I do. This is what I do. So, you know, I just think it's better that way. It's not for leaders to do, to use strong drink because it muddles their thoughts. What if you're drinking one day and something bad happens, somebody needs you and you can't drive? Or you've got to make a big decision immediately and you're too, you're too squirrely mentally. Tough stuff. Go read Proverbs. Woo, it's tough on it. I know, but the Bible says ain't nothing wrong with drinking. The Bible says be careful with it. Right? So anyway, that was just a thought. Good question. <laughs> you may completely disagree with me, and I just love you to pieces. Huh? That's what I choose. We'll see how life goes. How's that? Huh? Well, thank you. Glory. <laughs> you know, you know, let me just say, you know, I'm saying all this, you know, because I know people are watching. And, you know, younger people, I don't know what it is. The younger generation, the morals, the values, the thing that made our nation great, we're losing all of them. The standards, the personal standards that can define you are missing in a lot of ways. And if they don't learn them from people like me, I'm not getting any younger, uh, and I'm still real active, but 
Where are they going to learn it? They're looking for somebody to show them the way. Now, would you be willing to deny yourself and show about somebody else the way? And that's what breaks my heart, really. Yeah, hey, what's your name? Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Thanks for coming. Hi. Hey, let give him, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm kind of nervous. So. It's okay. It's just this me. This is uh, my first time being here. Oh, wow. Thank um, you. You know, I've been having, I, I don't want to really talk a lot. Okay, okay. But um, I've been having problems with, um, you know, financial problems and, like, you know how you were talking about how manipulation and controlling and people telling you mm. what to do, even though that's not what you want to do and you feel like it's not right. Right. Like, um, you know, my job, they try to make me lie and everything like wow. that about who I am, my business. But, yeah, I go into their homes. You know, I want them to feel safe. So I have a question. So, like, if you have people like that that are your friends and they control you and then they get mad because they, I say no to them, mm -hmm. do I cut them off or, I mean, what do I do? Uh, show me how you smile. Oh, that's a great smile. That's what you do. So, so what you do is, I can't do that. I won't do that for you. So if, you're, so if you're at a business and the business says, you must tell people what isn't true. See, if that's me, now see, this is my value. But you've got to determine what you want to choose to do, right? So for me, you know, because I, I, I mean, I genuinely walk with God. I walk with God when nobody's around. I walk with God when everybody's around. And I walk with God when I'm filling out my taxes and when I'm working my business stuff. I walk with God. So one of the values for me as a believer in walking with God is honesty. If, I can, if I've got to tell one lie, I've got to tell a thousand because that's the way it, the process works. And we're living in a culture today that thinks lying is like second nature. And it's, a, it's actually Jesus said to the most religious people in his day, this will shock you, uh, John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil and you abide not in the truth. He's a liar and the father of it. That's what he said. So for me, I'm not obeying God if I'm deceitful in any way. I can't. My heart won't let me. So that's me. And if I was in that situation where my business or my job would say, well, I want you to do this. I know, you know, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to do this. But I want you to tell them that. Then I would say, I can't do that. And they said, well, if you're going to work here, you're going to. I said, well, God's got a better job for me. <laughs> God bless you. And I, and I would resign and, and ask God for a better job. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then if I, you know, if I had um, friends who, who didn't understand, I would just simply explain, this is my conscience, this is my values. See, I can't make another person feel that, but I can tell them who I am and why I feel the way I do, and I would do that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. so, so if somebody gets upset with you for being honest with them, see, that's not your problem, that's their problem. And, and a lot of people do that in their relationships. They, you know, they want to make you feel bad because you won't acquiesce to how they think and what they want you to do. Now, that is manipulation. And a lot of people are raised in families, and that's all they know. The children are, does that make sense? Constantly manipulated by mommy, daddy, uncle, cousin, nephew, grandma, grandpa. If that's all they know, they grow up, and that, that's the way they are. So because we have such broken homes, in America with divorce being so bad and with so many single parents trying to raise children and then also make ends meet financially, it's really hard. And so the values that a lot of people should have at their homes is missing today. Does that make sense? 
So, so if you're a person who has some value uh, and, and then other people who don't have the same values you hold, um, just because it's probably the influences they've had in their past. So, so you got to be willing to, to stand up for yourself and what you believe because you'll never feel right in the relationship if you don't, right? And we're all that way. And, uh, and, and, then, and then if you, if you just learn to, to still like them, you, see, you can like the person while you disagree with, with what they're doing. Does that make sense? So, so I've had to learn how to be nice to people who aren't nice to me. Uh, to be, it's, it's okay for people to disagree with me. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means we don't see eye to eye on that, and, and I can live with that. Does that make sense? And, and if you're not raised in that kind of environment, that's probably uh, nerve-wracking, right? And so, go ahead. You got another question. Oh, oh I was just going to um, say, like, um, so three weeks ago I got saved. Oh. Um, Give her a hand. Woo! That's so good. Come on, man. That's awesome. And ever since then, like, I've just been having all these problems, you know, been really stressed out, upset, depressed. Uh, And, um, like, I like how you were talking about the alcoholism because, you know, I had a really hard time with alcoholism, too. You know, um, not really good with emotions (laughs) either. Like, that's pretty much how I go to, but, you know, um, so I've been working real hard with that, too, and, you know, and it's crazy, you know, because, you know, no matter all this stuff is going my way, like, the anger, the depression, you know, I don't have no cravings, no thoughts (laughs) of drinking, like, that's that's all I wanted to say, but thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, you, can I encourage you to do something? Uh, t- you have a Bible? Yeah, so, no, 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 but you have one you read. Do you read it fairly regularly? You know, the Bible's like you know, spiritual food. In fact, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he equated uh, the Bible with food. So spiritual food is the Bible. Natural food is, you know, the hopefully nutritious food we try to eat. But, you know, the Bible's spiritual food. If I read the Bible and then try to apply it and, and let it change me, then, then that's going to help me. Does that make sense? So go home and read, um, oh, how about just come and see me afterwards because I'm going to give you a bunch of, just some chapters to read that will help you, help you deal with relationships, help you deal with um uh, how to d- deal with people who seem unfair. Would that help? Um, how to deal with, um, I mean, just living every day a different kind of way. It's, it's a challenge. You know, when you, how, many, how many understand when you come to the Lord? It's a challenge, right? I mean, listen, I came to the Lord, I know it sounds weird, 1976. I mean, that's, that dates me big. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I was, I was almost 18. I was 17, and um, I was so weird because because just the way I lived before I met Jesus was so different than what I was reading in the Bible. And, and, and so my whole frame of reference was like, wow, I got to change everything. So it seemed like it was like impossible. You feel that way, right? Oh, that's common. You know what that means though? Think about this. The, the Holy Spirit lives in you. 
And so you start to try to do what you did before. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Is that true? That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> Isn't it cool? So what you do is say, Lord, I just need your help. And you just got to know uh, that God just has a boatload of grace. Grace means favor, love, and help for you. So if you just say, God, I'm having a, I'm struggling today with my job, or I'm struggling, I'm struggling. I want to cry. <laughs> this is so cool. I'm struggling with um, this person that I've known all this time. You know, when I came to the Lord, there's there's some friends I knew before I started school. They went to church with me, but they also later on smoked pot with me and did all kind of crazy stuff with me. <laughs> so I was like, one guy I met him when I was three. <laughs> That's weird, right? And and when I came to the Lord, I love I like him. He's my friend, and I had several that way. But it's like I had to say, like, I like you, but I don't want to do that anymore. And we just kind of parted ways because our lives didn't match anymore. And I still liked them as people, but I didn't like, I didn't want to do what they did anymore. And so we just kind of, you know, friendship has got to be some kind of an agreement. How can two walk together, the Bible says, except you're agreed. And, and you'll find some separations, but God will bring you new friends. And, and you'll eventually learn to think a different way and, and relate a different way. And you're going to struggle. It's normal. So welcome to the new normal. <laughs> I don't know if that encourages. Go ahead, what you got? Oh, oh thank you. Sorry. What's your name? Grab the mic. My name is Charlene Provolis. Hi, Charlene. It's my first time here, too. My friend invited me. Oh, so, wow. How cool. Um, wow. Yeah, I have a, well, thank you. I have a, a question. Okay. Um, think about it. I had all this time. Sorry. Basically, if you're praying, right, seeking God for wisdom in a yeah. particular area. Yeah. What's the best way to know that you really are hearing the voice of God versus I just had a good idea and <clears throat> yeah. I'm just going to roll with it? Um, yeah, so that's my question. Well, the long answer is on our website. <laughs> <laughs> I got a series I did a couple of years ago, How to Hear the Voice of God in the Details of Life. It might have been the fall of 2018, maybe 19, I think so. But it was a number of... of, of uh, messages and so it's a big big long story but the short of it is um you've got to learn you know conscience so you've got the voice of reason reason is the voice of my mind feeling is the voice of my body and sometimes you can refer to feelings as emotions right so feelings hearing seeing tasting touching smelling is that five yeah okay <laughs> can't want to do that <laughs> and then, so then, then you know, emotion is the the one, a voice of the the soul. It's attached to thinking. Then you got reasoning, but then we have conscience. Mm. Now, um, an animal has instinct. That's what you call it. I mean, they're bred that way. Uh, 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 anyway, uh, they. But us, we have a conscience. The conscience is the voice. Watch of the human spirit. Did you get that? So the deep intuition, the deep impressions we have, the inner knowing, you call it a gut sense. To hear that, you got to get quiet and you got to quiet in your mind so you can tell what's deep. You ever started to do something and, um, and you did it and thought, that's a wrong choice. You've done that, right? You don't feel it here, you feel it here, don't you? Is that true? 
Or, or you're in a group of people and, and you said, and you thought, man, I, I shouldn't have said that. And you didn't feel it here, you felt it here. See, that's your inner person saying, make an adjustment. And so you might have to say after that, you know, I'm sorry, y'all, I, I shouldn't have said that that way. Or, or you may have been talking to a person, one person, and, and just had the wrong attitude, whatever. And then after you leave them, it's like, nah, that was bad. So you call them up, look, I just really want to apologize to you. I shouldn't have acted that way or had that attitude. I was wrong. See, that's your conscience. So that's where, that's where the voice of God um, turns on when you come to the Lord. So a person that doesn't know the Lord, they have varying levels of conscience, but see, their conscience of a person that doesn't know the Lord is influenced by wor the world, the people around us and the atmosphere around us. So now, let's just say the, the conscience of America is at an all-time low. Would you agree with that? That means anything's allowed. There's nothing wrong. You can lie, you can cheat, you can be immoral. It don't matter. Everybody's doing that. So, but when you come to the Lord, things change and the Holy Spirit comes and he's, he's dropped into our human spirit, the part of us that's eternal. And when he's dropped in there, he has desires and yearnings. Um, Romans 2, uh, 28 calls it the circumcision of the heart. That means something changes inside. Scripture says we become new creatures in Christ. When we come to the Lord, old things pass away and, and all things become new. And that's a, so that means there's new desires, a new way of living, a, a new way of thinking, a new way of of talking, of dealing with people, of doing business, of, of dealing with my human body, of, of, of how I do life in general. And so as I go along in life, I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to hear God. I need to learn to get quiet and say, Lord, talk to me. So, and I'm summarizing here, Romans 8, 14, listen to this. As, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then Romans 8, 16 says, His Spirit bears witness. I like that. His Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are uh, children of God. So, so there's a witness of the Spirit. So as I'm tooling along in life, here's what I do. I pray, say, God, I need to know, do I need to do that? Do I need to do that for I'm on the job or from at home? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? So it might be a financial thing. It might be a relational thing. Do I need to talk to that person or not? Do I need to do this? Whatever. And, and see if I'll just pray and say, Lord, I need you to help me. Then, then if I keep praying that way, say, Lord, I'm expecting you to show me. And then learn to get quiet. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Because when you read your Bible, you're feeding your in, inner person. See, here's the deal. A person that's, for instance, just come to the Lord, um, God has a lot of grace for a person who has just come to the Lord and don't know their Bible. Yes or no? I'm telling you, there's something inside you. It's incredible. It's like a honing device to heaven. It's like, you're saying something's like, I don't need to be doing that anymore, right? <laughs> or, or you're with somebody like, I don't need to be hanging out with him much anymore. Or, or, or you're doing this like, you need to do that a lot. <laughs> or you like come to church like, that's a good thing. Or, you know, you see what I'm saying? So um, if you do that, just start reading your Bible. Um, I, here's what I do. I never violate now. I never, when I'm making decisions, violate my conscience ever. If I don't feel right about it, I'm not going to do it. I, I'm not going to do it, right? So financial things, relational things, 
uh, just natural things I do in life, what I do with my day, you know, where I go, what I do, how I spend. If I don't feel right about it, I make the change. And now I'm married, so and now my wife's got something to say about it. And, and, and often she'll feel the same way I do about something because we have the same Holy Spirit living in us and we've been connected as one. And, and if we just stay in communication with God and with each other, it's just amazing how she'll confirm, Mitch, I don't think you need to do that. That's right. And then sometimes my wife will say, Mitch, you shouldn't have done that. Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, I did say blah. And then I go back to her and say, oh, I messed up. I should listen to you. <laughs> Does this help? Yeah. So go back to our website, though. I've got a lot of information on that. I think it'll be really helpful. Thank you. Thank you for coming. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Really. Anybody else? Anybody else got something? Oh, okay. Um, I don't really know how to word this question, but I have a friend, and we've been friends for a really long time, and we're close, and she has, like, a lot of different beliefs than I do, mm-hmm. but she's never, like, she knows all of my beliefs, and she never tries to, like, change my beliefs or, like, manipulate me or whatever, but, like, sometimes when I hang around her for a long time, I can kind of feel, like, the negative spirits like kind of around her and stuff the friction does it create friction between the two of you not friction it's just like hmm. like the stuff that she looks at and stuff like tarot cards and stuff that she hmm. doesn't think yeah yeah when she's around me after a long time i can kind of feel like those demonic presence around yes me. yeah now you know what that is right yeah so but, what's the question so i feel like i'm strong enough in my faith to not waver and do the things that she's doing, but at the same time, like, how should I handle <clears throat> when I hang around her? I feel those things. Well, Amos 3 3 says this How can two walk together unless they be agreed? So, um, and then 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, start with verse 14. What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What fellowship has Christ, and then it uses a term for an Old Testament idol. Belial was a one of the Old Testament idol that was worshipped. So, what what accord does does Christ cause the believer Christ have with the devil? So, you know, if you've got somebody like your friend who is, you know, if they're doing tarot cards, that that is demonic. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's right in association with witchcraft stuff. It goes all along. You know, horoscope would be the same thing if you're. If you're watching, listen, I know about all that because when I was a kid, I did all the horoscope stuff. I know all about it. And I looked at it. What am I supposed to, who's supposed to hang out with today? What should I not do today? I mean, I did it. I had a whole book of it. I know, right? So (laughs) you just have to, um, you know, if you say this person's your friend, you're close to her, right? So so number one, you answered the question, hopefully. Uh, good that that you're strong enough for that not to influence you so the question you need to ask yourself is how long am I going to stay strong and not resist that when she keeps talking about it because what happens you know life has all these little slippery slopes you know you're around this person you think you're strong and then they keep talking then kind of, well let me see that let me see that you said what that, you know really and then, you know, a little bit at a time to kind of slide over there. You want to be careful that you don't a little bit at a time slide over there. And you just you got to be careful. And uh, I mean, it could be a danger. Uh, you do feel probably the demonic realm. Uh, me, 
Uh, and I think all believers have a spiritual intuition, like I've been talking about. And I think that um, we have a sense when something is weird in the atmosphere. You just kind of feel. So, you know, for me, like, for instance, I'll give you two friends. So I go in the bookstore. Anytime I go in the books, I love books. I got books everywhere. Um, I go in the bookstore and, and the New Age place where all that stuff is, the cult stuff. I can feel it. I mean, I just walk by, you know, it's like, I feel it right here. Right, it feels bad. And I was like, that's bad. Or I go into a, um antique shop. Yeah, and here's Statue of Buddha, big old big belly. <laughs> or I'm getting my clothes cleaned, and the person happens to have Buddha right there, and they got incense burns like, you foul devil. <laughs> you just feel it, you know, so... So that's what you're feeling. And it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey man, there's something that's antagonistic to me and who I am and what I want you to be. Be aware. And, uh, you know, so bring it, see, see if your friend's willing to come with you to church. You know, I mean, really. And, and okay, so, so here's the issue. If I had a friend like that, uh, if they can feel free to talk about their tarot cards and other stuff, can you just as easily feel free to talk about the things of God? Now, if you can't, there is a problem, and that person will influence you. So you got you got a choice. You got to decide, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. So, so, so you got to say, God, help me be bold, because you know. Again, I'll say it again. When I came to the Lord, I had to. I, I didn't want to, but over a period of time, I mean, these some of these guys I knew. I was I was three, four, five, and I went all through school with them, and it really kind of broke my heart, you know that. I was such friends with him, and then, and then Jesus really radically changed me. And I just, we just weren't the same. It just wasn't the same, and I just didn't want to listen to the music they listened to. I didn't want to read the stuff they were reading. I didn't want to talk they, with the potty mouth they were talking with, and I used to, and I just didn't want it. So it just creates that. So you just got to figure it out for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that help? Okay. Yeah. Oh, how you going, Pastor? Uh, hey. I'm, I'm piggyback off of, uh, the young lady's question. Uh, what encouragement or advice would you give to everybody under the sound of your voice on the separation of uh, family members, friends, uh, because we know that attacks are coming against the Christian people now. So What, what kind of separation? Uh, I'm, I'm saying like antagonistic stuff. Like, people that like don't people like you believe, because of what you think well, and believe. Right, people are separating from you because of your belief mm -hmm. and their attacks. You know, not just family, friends. You know, what encouragement would you give to the congregation here, uh, or scriptures for you know to maintain you know stand against those type of things? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Don't y'all think that's a good question? You know, I love this guy. He's a sweet man. I like him. I think we'll keep you, bro. <laughs> uh, so what, I love this. Y'all, I love this. So um, this, if you want a good scripture to read, uh, Romans 12. It's such a good, starting with verse, particularly verse 9. I mean, it's just really good about, just about relationships. Just listen, don't pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Verse 11, never be lazy. Well, we need to talk about that today, don't we? Uh, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. 
Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Verse 13, when, pe- when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I would say that would be true in general, right? Somebody has a need, help meet their need if you can, you know. Uh, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Now, that's hard to do. Bless those who bless those who persecute. Bless those who persecute you. Uh, how are we doing with that? Hmm. Bless those who per. Well, God bless you. Well, I think you're a rat's rear end. Well, God bless you. They said that to you. Well, God bless you. Hey, that's that's something somebody said to me today. <laughs> you could say that's the worst thing anybody said to me. Well, well, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, God bless you. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day and that you do well in your business endeavors today. God bless you. I hope you. I hope your wife sucks the lips off your face today. You know, I mean, just bless them big or, or your husband, whatever. Um, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Now, that's a big deal, right? So, so when would a person portray that they know it all? That's when somebody has a differing opinion. Now, this is important today and they immediately say, well, they come back with a retort. A retort is when somebody's saying something and you automatically say, well, blah, 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 blah. And you tell them what you think. Well, sometimes you just need to say, uh-huh, okay, all right. Because the person, you know, you just have, again, an intuition to know this person, if I say that, they're just going to come back. You know, Jesus said it this way, and it sounds really bad, but in his day it made sense. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Now, what was he saying? You know, there's some things that, you know, if you say it to that person, they're not going to listen to it anyway. Sometimes... Some, not every time, sometimes if you go see that person over and over and over, love them, value them. Does that make sense? Even though you disagree with them, say, hmm, okay, all right, all right, hmm. And, and so they may come to me and say, you know, I heard you say so-and-so. I think that's the stupidest thing anybody could say. Well, what's your response? Well, God bless you. Yeah, I, I really believe what I said, but I appreciate you telling me what you really think. That's valuable to me. That you're honest, thank you, thank you. Well, God bless you, thank you. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to say, well, I think you're a rat's rear end too. Don't say that. That's not blessing, right? So uh, then he says here, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Is he gonna know it all? You gotta have the last word. You don't have to have the last word. And if you're the kind of person that has to have the last word, you're going to get in a ruckus after ruckus, and you may have a black eye and a bloody nose on occasion and, and have to go to court to settle it. Just be aware. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or people have other ways of doing vindictive things if they don't like what you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Isn't that great? And then this is my favorite, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. In fact, King James says this, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. That means the other person may not be peaceable. They might be trying to stir up antagonism. You just say, well, 
Well, God bless you. Or you just smile, or you just don't respond. Mm hmm, okay. Mm hmm. Well, I think so and so and so. You say, mm hmm, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, what do you think about that? Say, well, I mean, you know, I think that's interesting. Do you agree? Well, what if I don't? Is that okay? You know, you find out where they're at. Some people won't let you disagree with them. They're going punch, to punch you out with their words, right? So he said, here, as much as lies in me, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Um, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord instead. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Oh, don't let evil conquer you. Oh, that's so, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, that's easy to say on Wednesday night just before we go home. <laughs> but tomorrow at noon at lunch, when somebody's breathing down your throat or you're about to go to lunch and a fellow worker says, blah, 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 <laughs> and you're already tired and you want to tell them what they're full of, don't do it. So get up in the morning, pray, seek the Lord, commit your day to God, read the word a little bit, feed your spirit. And say, God, help me be nice today. Is that okay? <laughs> Did that answer? Answer the question? <laughs> anyway, one more. We got, man, we got to stop at some point. Where, who's got something? Where? Oh, right here. Okay. There's um, an evangelist who was a worship leader in Nigeria. Okay. She, she died about, I think, two weeks ago because her husband beat her into a coma. Oh, wow. Her husband was also an elder at her church. Wow. Okay, so, wait. So she died. Yeah. Her husband was an elder in the church and beat her to death. Yes. And he has been doing that for a long time. So my question is, when it comes to, because her, the testimonies that we've heard, her thing was she was in there yeah. because God said for a woman to submit to her husband. And she was praying that the Lord would change her husband and on and on and on. And the pastor was aware. So a lot of people are blaming the pastor. So as our leader, you know, our marriage is not your thing because it's my marriage, it's not my pastor's marriage. But mm -hmm. where do we draw the line to save somebody's life like a woman like that? Yes. Well, uh, practicality is the key. Uh, being practical, commonsensical. Even the dog doesn't go to a bowl to eat the food. If the guy that puts the food in the bowl, he's going to smack him upside the head with a newspaper or a book or a, a rock or a, you know, yardstick. He'll say, I ain't going to eat that food. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'll go find me something else. I'll go find me another family. So we need to be as smart as a dog. But let me read this, 1 Corinthians 7. And this is really clear. Um, so, you know, there's several things in the story you told. Number one, not everybody that says they're a Christian is a Christian, even if they're a church leader. Because the scripture says, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Ding. Right? Right? Secondly, yes, God um, loves marriage and wants people to stay married. At the same time, God doesn't want people's lives to be endangered or threatened constantly. And so over the years, I've been in ministry since 1981, 
And, you know, I'm looking around at chairs because I'm thinking of all these people I've talked to. Uh, one lady came to me, and her eyes were dark circles, black. She had been beaten. I said, what happened to your face? She said, my husband, uh, my husband beat me up. I said, how long has he been beating you? Uh, 21 years. I said, could, could you say that to me again? She said, 21 years. I said, wait, 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 wait. Your husband's been doing that that long? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and see, she was told what your friend was told. I got to stay in that marriage. Come what may. I said, man, there ain't a verse in the Bible that tells you you got to stay in something where somebody's trying to harm you or hurt you. You have my permission and God's permission. You can, I, you know, I can't tell a person what to do because if I do, the husband will come and won't beat me up. I mean, that's kind of the way it works. But I say, you got the choice if you want to make it. You don't have to do this or this. You can do this. And God will smile. <laughs> so, you know, that lady, for instance, that particular lady, she left her husband. I saw her sometime after that. And this was in Oklahoma. Y'all, I mean, her whole countenance was changed. Her whole visage was different. Uh, and she looked, honestly, she looked beleaguered and... I don't like to say the word haggard, Lee. She looked nasty. When she came to see me, it's like, that poor lady. God bless her. She was in her 40s probably. Man, I saw her the next time. She was at a checkout line in a tar, uh, um, grocery store. I said, boing. Is that the same girl? Is that the same woman? She's beautiful. Wow. What a, and I went and said, hi. And she turned around. Her whole countenance had changed because that, that weight had lifted off. Does that make sense? Then I had another one. I could tell all kinds of stories like that. Another one, um, yeah, her husband choked her. And, and when I saw her, she had choke marks all around her neck. And I, I said, why, you, why is your neck all bruised? She said, my husband tried to choke me. <laughs> and she thought she had to stay. I said, you don't have to stay in there. I actually, I shouldn't tell you all that. I went and helped her leave. <laughs> because I told him, you know, her neck, you won't be doing that again. I, I won't let you. Because you're married to her, but I care about her. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so she ended up leaving that guy and divorcing him because he wouldn't listen. Some, some men are abusers. And they're generally abusers because there's a new daddy in the home and nobody's taught them how to treat women. And they're bullies. A godly man is a loving man. And Jesus said, well, Paul said, well, Peter said, the way I treat my wife is the way God Almighty treats me. So if I want Jesus to smile on me, I need to smile at my wife. If I want him to give me grace, I need to give my wife grace. If I want him to love me, I need to love her. Yes or no? And if I'm not doing that, I ain't doing it right. So if a person's in a situation of abuse, uh, I say you have a choice. And, and you know, I feel like I'm going right. Y'all getting something out of that? So here it is. A believing woman. Now I speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And vice versa, if a believing woman has a husband who's not a believer and he's willing to continue to live with her, she must not leave him. Willing to live with her means, or, or, or he's willing to live with her, or she's willing to live with uh, the guy. That just simply means they're conscionable, they're respectful, um, uh, they're responsible, 
you know, not trying to take advantage of the person. Does that make sense? So some people, they'll, they'll take everybody to task and ream everything out of them they possibly can and then make the other person feel guilty because they won't accept what they're doing. That's manipulation, control, and demonic. So what that guy did to your friend, that's the manipulation, control, and demonic, right? Even though he's in the church. So no, no, don't put up with it. I'll tell anybody, somebody's abusing you, pouncing on you, hitting you, messing with you. No. I had one lady, I could keep talking for Here's one lady who came up to me on a Wednesday night. This is in Oklahoma. And uh, we had a Wednesday night service like here at 7. And, and uh, it was just before service. And I talked to her after. She's out of breath. I said, where you been? She said, I walked to church. Well, I sat her down and said, why'd you walk to church? She said, well, my husband wouldn't let me drive to church. And he took the car keys. And she said, I'm going to church. Because I need my fellowship with my friends. I'll be back. You got your supper. But he was upset with her. Now what? He was upset with her because her, uh, he, his underwear wasn't laid in the drawer a certain way. And then his socks were not going a certain way in the drawer. Now friends, you got a loose screw in the head if you do that. Okay. You need psychological evaluation and help, all right? You, you wrong. You're a donut shy of a dozen, whatever you want to say. And so I said, whoa, whoa. And I just appreciated her spunk. She said, he said, you ain't going to church? She said, you ain't going to keep me from going to church. I said, I, I thought, yes, go, you go, girl, go. She turned her hind end around, walked right out the house and walked six miles to church. We got somebody to take her home. But I said to her, you know, don't put up with that. You tell him, look, I love you. Here's what you do. You say, well, what do I do, Pastor? I'm in a hard situation, and a person's an abuser. Well, they try to do it one more time. Say, look, you just do a lie. I love you. I'm committed to our marriage. And I would love to spend the rest of my life with you, but I will not tolerate that. I won't. I won't be here. I'll be somewhere else. Don't do it again. And then you follow through, get you some friends. Most women stay in that because of finances. That's, that's the truth. They don't know what to do with their kids. They need some help, and they feel helpless and hopeless. That's why, you know, just need to get some help. We got brothers and sisters in Christ. We got ways to help and stuff, so don't be afraid to get help. God can help make a way for you. That's what you need to know. So I got a real heart of compassion for people stuck in those kind of situations. Well, I know a lot of women are. I know they are because I've talked to them. So. Does that make sense? Does that help? Okay, wow. Gosh, y'all, what questions are these? These are, wow, good questions. Y'all good? You ready to go home? Thank you for coming. Did you have fun? Yay, that's awesome. Um, can I read one more? This person said, well, you don't, Uh, this person said, you don't have to answer this tonight. It's okay. But I want to answer this one. So this person asked this question. Um, and I really, I think it's cool. I have a question. How do we know that we weren't already spirits in heaven before we're born? Valid question. So this, question, this person has a question. Well, how do you know you weren't already out there somewhere? And, you know, God just had your mom and daddy have sex. And boop, there you are. <laughs> 
How do you know? How do you know you didn't live before that? So, so, so I have an answer. Y'all ready for this answer? So, so the big answer to this is when does human, what forms human life? And, and, and does the spirit of a person pre-exist the body? That's the question that's being asked. Now, that's an important question today because heathen religions are coming into America and, and now you hear about nirvana and you hear about karma and you hear about reincarnation. It's all demonic. And people talk about it all the time. I hear them. I hear them. Even Christians use lingo they shouldn't be using. So listen to this, and this is from, and I'm going to stop with this, and we're just going to go flat home. Is that good? I've got a book I've had since the 1980s, and it was from the Foursquare denomination. L-I-F-F-E is a Bible school in, I think it's in Los Angeles, California. I think it was started by... Amy McSeeple McPherson. Anyway, a four-square Bible college, L-I-F-E Bible school, and the name of the book is Foundations of Pentecostal Theology. Y'all, it's, you know, I've read a lot of theology books. I've studied theology, and it's dry and boring. But this one right here, it's anointed by the Holy Ghost. And you're reading, and you want to jump up and just, woo, man, say that again. I'm going to read that again. So that's kind of book this is, Foundations of, and you can find it on Amazon in digital form. I've got it on my iPad. So the question she, that the person just asked about existing pre, listen to this, the origin of the soul. I'm jumping right in, and this is, this is um, um, the doctrine of man. They're talking about humankind here. So I'm jumping right in the middle of the origin of the soul or spirit. There are three leading theories concerning the source of each newly born person's soul. Now, this is important to know because of so many things happening in our country. Pre-exist, so here's the three, here's the three leading theories. Number one is pre-existence. Second, creationism. Thirdly, uh, traducianism. And it's really simple. Pre-existence is the belief that the human soul exists before conception and is placed by God into each person sometime before birth. Along with this believing is in the pre-existence of the soul. Some believe in the transmigration of the soul, which means the soul transfers from one body to another human, animal, or another spiritual body. Hinduism, theosophy, Rascrucianism, as well as many other indigenous uh, and occult religions hold the theory of the transmigration of the soul. Regardless, this theory does not have scriptural support and is contradicted by verses such as Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed unto man once to die after that judgment. I don't believe that. I think it's completely wrong. That's not true. Second is creationism, and I don't agree with this one either. Creationism says, and creationism is not to be confused with the question of the creation of the world. This is a little different slant on the word. Uh, It is asserted by many Roman Catholic and Reformed theologians. Listen, according to the creationist view of the origin of the soul, God generates the soul directly in each newly conceived person sometime between conception and birth while the parents propagate only the body. One problem with the creationism position is it appears to make God the creator of sinful souls. Hmm. Or at least represents God as situating a pure soul in a depraved human body. Further, it appears that the same scripture given to support direct creation can also be interpreted to validate the indirect agency of God in procreation. So, 
So, you know, I don't believe that one either. That is, you know, humans have sex and then somewhere the spirit comes from heaven and Eh, there's a lot of problems with that. A lot of problems. I do agree with this one, the traducianism. I don't care that you even remember the name. Is the preferred theory, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, is the preferred theory among many non-reformed conservative scholars, he says. According to traducianism, God created the human race in Adam, listen, and from Adam both body and soul were, pro- were procreated by natural generation. Now that makes common scriptural sense. Uh, uh, Strong, uh, a scholar, uh, Strong's exhaustive concordance, well, he's the right. Strong stated, Traducianism holds that man as a species was created in Adam. In Adam, the substance of humanity was yet undisturbed. We derive our immaterial as well as our material being by natural laws of propagation from Adam. Each individual human after Adam possesses a part of the substance that was originated in him or in Adam. The arguments for the Traducian theory include the following, and this, I'm almost done, really good. Uh, Six points quick. Number one, the Bible does not record that God directly created any person but Adam and Eve. After creating Adam and Eve, God rested from his work, Genesis 2. 2. Two, it best explains the inherited sinful nature of, of the human as expressed by David, Psalm 51, 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Number three, it's supported by a vital statistic about the family of Jacob. And this is Genesis 46, 26. All the persons or souls who went with Jacob to Egypt, who came from his body, besides Jacob's sons and wives, were 66 persons or souls in all. They came from his body, see. Number four, it's consistent with the Bible record of procreation. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Genesis 5, 3. Number five, almost done. It helps explain personality likenesses between children and parents. Number six, the soul does not have purely natural origins. God indirectly created all souls since Adam and is therefore the sustainer of the process of procreation. So, you know, the acorn caught falls from the oak tree. The acorn gets put into dirt. The acorn grows another oak tree. <laughs> so you fall from mom and dad. You come from, we all come from Adam and Eve. And the act of, uh, of sex in marriage creates human life. And with the creation of human life, in that process is also the creation of the personality, the human spirit. It comes from God. He doesn't directly make it. He just set the process in motion. Does that make sense? Now, that's biblical, and I believe that is correct. So you got all these theories today that people, and you know, you go to India, it's so pitiful uh, when you go to India and you see all these people that are, oh, they're doing all these things to try to try to not come back as a rodent or as a, a, a cow, or, or God forbid, a flea on a nasty dog, or, or God forbid, live in one of those low caste systems where they're in the shanty huts along the along the Ganges River. They wanna they wanna be the Brahman priestly class. But thank God you don't have to believe that. That's a lie. How many hear me? So it brings value to human life. We're created in the image of God. He loves us. 
and uh, and he wants us to walk with him. This is really, I appreciate the question. Did y'all have fun? Well, Lord, as we go from here, you know, all of us have an influence, a circle of influence. Let that circle of influence be real to each one of us and help us to be clearly aware that people are watching and listening to what we say, how we act and react in all of the situations of life. And as we do, Lord, would you help us to represent you? I know I've got a really strong personality, Lord, and the day was hard for me. I don't mind telling people it's hard. But you help me curb my personality. And I had to have conversations. And thank you. All of us are like that. So as we leave here, help us to have your grace to love you and to, and to be with others and to influence them for you without manipulating, without controlling. In Jesus' name.